This is the biggest update for Utopia of 2023 that Utopia had a baby. Yay! Utopia collectively had a child. Collectively. And now she comes into the the office on Tuesdays. And Wednesday. Today's and an somehow gets more work done than the rest of us, yeah. being honest. That's a requirement. Yeah, we wouldn't do child labor unless they were really, really good. <laughs> She's incredibly productive. Welcome to the Impact Roadmap, a podcast designed to give you the practical, concrete steps to grow your nonprofit or future forward business in a sustainable way. I'm your host, Joey Goon. Let's get into the episode. The whole purpose of us hanging out and sitting today is just to unpack the last one year of <laughs> podcasting that we've been doing. Season one. Yeah. Season one. This is the the functional finale for season one of our podcast. So the podcast, we talked about impact. It was the impact. <laughs> so it is the right. impact roadmap. <laughs> what I'm most excited for is like looking forward before we look back is that for season two, I'm very excited to unpack more of like, now we're kind of stepping into like neuroscience and psychological safety at events and how technology plays such a big role in sort of helping you connect your audience. I'm very, very excited to unpack that more for season two. Mm -hmm. And looking back on season one, we were very general, right? Like we had a lot of different people on the podcast that talked about so many different things from... Like DEI, like you had a great conversation with Shavana Spratt. Yeah, it was a great conversation. I really liked that one. It was uh, eye-opening for me, and uh, that was my first chance to be front and center on the podcast and step into your host shoes. Um, and it, like I said, it was illuminating. I learned a lot from Shavana, and it was also cool to just be more involved in the podcast. Holy, you know, not only as a host, but just seeing how it all works. Like we were kind of talking about yesterday. Um, you don't really know what all goes into it until you're mm. actually involved. And that was another aspect where I learned about it. But even just seeing everything that goes into the production of the podcast was super fun for me. What were some things that you feel like surprised you? That's one of the things that I want to talk about was your experience as the host of this podcast. Like, what were your expectations before you'd even done your first interview? How did you think it was going to go? What did you think it was going to be like versus what actually happened? The, the hardest thing for me was trying to give up being impressive for being authentic. Mm. I think when you put your voice out there, there's like this, the public perception, like people get to then sort of evaluate the feedback and the advice that you're giving. And so for me, it was like, let's give less advice because that puts you on a pedestal where you may know, it makes you kind of look like you know more than someone. Let's do experience sharing and just bring people on the podcast, have authentic dialogue about like things that they've learned in life in hopes that it might serve one person or a hundred people or a thousand people that might be listening instead of trying to be impressive. Cause there's so many podcast hosts out there, so many different podcasters. And so for us, it's really this first season. I think we could all collectively agree. It was like, we need to find our lane and find our niche and figure out what the unique messaging and the value proposition is that we want to offer people and really start to appeal to those individuals instead of trying to create a space for everyone you know, because there are so many different episodes out there. So it's like finding that authentic voice, giving up being impressive for being authentic. And then the last thing I would mention is like competence creates confidence. And so just doing it over and over and over and over and over again, I finally got a lot more comfortable being in front of a microphone, being on camera, stepping on stages and sharing my authentic voice and my truth in hopes that not not to influence someone, but to impact them and to educate them. So those yeah. are my biggest learning lessons. I actually really like, I remember we had, we had a conversation a few times uh, where well, it, like 
getting to watch you grow as a host has been cool because I remember some of the like early, early interviews we did, you would come out being like, wow, it's really hard to think about the next question you're going to ask while still like engaging in the conversation that they're having. And it's like, it's a lot to try and manage at once. And I definitely feel like I watched you get more comfortable in front of a camera and in front of, you know, the microphones, uh, and, and more comfortable with your guests. Like it started to flow more naturally. So that totally line, like your answer makes sense. That lines up with something that I would have expected. Um, how has it been different being like a host on this podcast versus maybe being a guest on somebody else's? Cause I know you've done a lot of throughout the season also going out to other podcasts. What have you feel like, what do you feel like you've gleaned from the processes that other people do? And like, what is different about being a guest versus being a host strengths that you like mm. about one versus the other? I enjoy being a guest. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like, then I actually get to share. I think one of the, one of the challenges um, that I had early on in podcasting was um, I didn't feel or didn't really have the through line of what this podcast was going to be. And so we brought on a lot of different guests. And, and frankly, I think many people look at podcasts as an opportunity to develop better relationships with people that you may want to do a strategic partnership with or a sponsorship or you want to do some business with. So that was the impetus for us really starting our podcast. And then from there, it was like, okay, we have this idea. Now, what's the value proposition? Who are we going to connect with? And so the challenge for me early on with being a host was figuring all of that out. It was all jumbled in my head. And so when you're a guest on someone else's podcast, you just go on there yeah, and share your... simpler. Yeah, it's sure. like, this is what we do. <laughs> this is why we think we're the best at what we do because we've innovated and we're, you know, we're really committed to like making people feel like they're a part of our family when they work with us. And our onboarding journey is like really fun and exciting. And like the product is flawless for the most part. I mean, <laughs> we have never made a mistake ever, ever, ever. We make <laughs> mistakes, but we own our mistakes. So it's like, it's like for me, that's like 20 years of notches on the utility belt that I can pull from and be like, this is a story. Here's an anecdote. Here's something that might connect with someone where when you're hosting, I know nothing about you. And my goal as the host is to figure out everything about you. And I'm not a subject matter expert in your field. And so sometimes there was that like incongruence where I didn't know the questions that I should have been asking. Were there any guests that surprised you? That was my immediate thought there was like, was anyone you brought in and you're like, I don't even know where to go with this conversation. And then it went somewhere you totally didn't expect. Or like, was there anyone who, you know, was a really like surprising interview to you? I remember I, I have someone in mind as I'm asking this question. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. I really enjoyed my conversation with everyone on the podcast because we got to hand select who we wanted to have on. But if there's one like conversation that like distinctly stands out in my mind that I was like, holy crap, everyone should go and listen to, to this individual. If they're in the nonprofit world, it's Mallory Erickson. Hmm. She is so impressive and so authentic and, and I feel the same way about Rhea Wong too. She's incredible. I mean, yeah. and just incredible human beings that are consulting nonprofits on how to be, um, better fundraisers. And i really enjoy those conversations. Yeah. All of our guests were, were like excellent to hear from. I was going for the surprise angle cause mm, oh my God, yeah, yeah. Andy way when like, yeah, Andy Wett, I could not, sure. I could not <laughs> pin, pin down like his deal at all. Like every time he told a story, I was like, how did that he would first be talking about a thing he did in Japan and then his time in the Navy and then his He's, experience like working with, I'm like, how did your life fit all of this into <laughs> one single, like, I don't get it. Learn how to meditate with Buddhist monks. I know. I was from like, like the, the congregation that taught 
like yeah con- conceptualized meditation every new story he told was so out of left field it's like i just i could not pin down what he was going to say next the whole thing was a surprise after surprise so that's that's what came to mind for me for sure yeah to speak to what you were talking about earlier about um you know how to be a host rather than a guest and like our podcast and things like that i think i saw you get super comfortable taking it in from the guest which i feel like that's the responsibility of a host it's just kind of be a sponge, like rather, like mm-hmm. you were saying, be the expert, let them be the expert and try to draw out of them what you can to benefit the audience and yourself as uh, someone who's learning from them. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's, that's kind of the goal. And what's cool about when you get to guest on other podcasts, you get to have the other side of that experience. You're the expert who's being brought in to kind of show everybody what you know and what they can gather from your, you know, learned experience and things like that. And I think that's what's so cool about conversations in general. It's like someone most likely is kind of being the teacher and the other is being the student. And it's fun from both sides, especially if you do have the expertise and the competence to be on the teaching side. And if you don't, all the better reason to, you know, sit back Mm. and take it all in. Sure. I I think, yeah, you bring up a good, a really good point. I think one of the the biggest challenges for me too, just kind of like, you know, piggybacking on that and, you know, tying into the question that you posed originally is like the biggest challenge that I felt as a podcast. Like I would encourage anyone, if you have a message or there's an audience that you want to connect with, like podcasting is, I don't know which camera I'm looking at. There's so many cameras, (laughs) but wherever you are, podcasting is a great way to do that. And so, um, I would encourage you, like if you're considering, if you have a distinct message that you want to get out there to a select group of people in an audience, share your authentic voice with them. Go out there and like try and connect with individuals because whatever you have to share, like there's people out there that want to learn from you. And one of the biggest challenges that I had getting started was imposter syndrome. And I think we all have that. It's like what I share doesn't matter because who the heck am I anyway? And so like, the, the thing that we now coach a lot of our nonprofits on and our conference organizers on the corporate side, and, well, really both sides, the corporate side and the nonprofit side, is psychological safety. And so I am not a neuroscientist by trade. I'm not an academic, but I know anecdotally how I feel with psychological safety. And it is the amygdala, the lizard brain, the monkey brain fires up and it's the first thing that fires up whenever we walk into an uncomfortable situation, whether that's one of us walking into an event with a thousand strangers or sitting in front of a microphone with three cameras in the room. And you, you're like, once I put this out there, I will be judged and evaluated by everybody on the internet that may see this. So like, that was the biggest thing for me is to tell my amygdala that like, it's okay for you to power down and just let me get out there and share this authentic dialogue and this conversation. And then the other areas of the brain fired up and, or fire up and quiet and silence that inner critic and that voice that says, you're not good enough. You don't know enough. You shouldn't be here. You're not safe because people are going to judge you out there. And once I could get past that, um, everything else just became so much more comfortable. Yeah. No, very cool. I do want to be conscious of time, too. Uh, right. We also, as part of the thing that we're doing this episode, picked some of the moments from throughout the season that we thought were the most standout-ish to us, just really short little clips. And a bunch of these live on our YouTube and on our TikTok as well. Um, you know, So if you want to go check out those pages, you can watch a bunch more clips just like these from throughout the season. But we each, I think, picked two that we're going to kind of relive here and have a conversation about. Um, I don't know what order Brian has them pulled up in. Uh, I just pulled them up in 
the order that they were sent over. So this is the first one that I chose. This yeah, is I think yours are first. And I, I chose the two episodes that I was most involved in. So, <laughs> yeah, which was a good choice. Yeah, I edited this one. And I don't know. I thought this was a really impactful. She had so many great things to say. But let's give this one a listen real quick. I used to be the person who lived with the myth of no time. You know, and I do say the myth of no time because everybody has the same 24 hours. Mm -hmm. It's our relationship to time. You know, if we wake in the morning and say, oh, so much to do today, I'm never going to get it done. Well, I'm the universe. Your wish is my command. Now I have to make everything really difficult. Now I have to make you feel that everything you do today, you're going to be against the clock. Now everything you do, you're constantly going to be thinking about what you're doing next. So you're, it comes back to presence. If we're living that way, we're not present. Mm -hmm. As a mindfulness teacher, as a meditation teacher, what drove me into this space was my inability to be present, my predisposition to stress, my propensity to work and work and work and work and work and work, right? I'm, I'm in recovery eight years and getting to know myself, you know, as a former addict is is really interesting because what I did was I just replaced that with work, right? So it's like, where do you put that energy then? So it was really interesting when I got into recovery this time. I was working every hour, God sends. And I'm like, ooh, here we go. The same energy is just being channeled in a different direction. And what I was doing is causing myself burnout. So I was like, there has to be a balance, some sense of balance. And that looks different for everybody. First of all, her accent is crazy. I always forget how strong her accent is until I see clips oh, yeah, of her. Super <laughs> strong. But I just remember... You know, I edited this episode and listening to that clip, I really responded to it. Like that is something that I noticed that I do. And I think that it's a very natural thing. You know, you you tell yourself something and then you kind of create that scenario like you reinforce it. If you mm -hmm. decide like you don't have enough time, you do all of these things to make that reality. But you could do different things if you weren't kind of coming back to that same narrative. Mm. And it was interesting to hear her talk about, you know, um, being in recovery and, and how that manifested and how she just kind of turned it into something different, but was still dealing with the same kind of like energy and issues in a totally different way. And for, for me personally, it just totally spoke to me. And there, like I said, there were so many other things that she said in that podcast that were very impactful. Yeah. I'm of two minds about it. Um, I do what, like, profoundly agree that like the way your mindset is can change your whole reality right it's that that like picture i don't know if you guys have ever seen but like a bus passing by like a cliffside with a gorgeous valley on the other and it's like some people are looking out over the valley and it's like they they see the gorgeous view and the others are just looking at the cliffside being like wow this is miserable so it's like sometimes just slight perspective shifts can do a lot for your mental state um but i do feel like i want to personally push back on like the uh that everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. That mm. phrase gets thrown around a lot. And I do think there are some, like, I get what she's going for. I don't want to, like, just be like, Ali's totally wrong. But specifically <laughs> that phrase is is often used to be like, you know, like, wow, why can't a mother with four kids and two jobs accomplish the same things as Beyonce? And it's like, well, because she has to work those two, or those two jobs and, like, deal with the four kids. And if you have the privilege of going to college without having to work at the same time, your 24 hours are not the same 24 hours as somebody who does have to work to put themselves through school and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I do think that specifically that language has always rubbed me a little bit the wrong way, but man, your mindset is so important. So those are the two minds that I had in watching that clip. It's kind of a little bit of pushback gently on that 24 hours part, but everything else is super important and the point is still good. Yeah. I, I, 
I totally see your point and you know, every situation is unique, but like you said, your mindset definitely affects how you deal with whatever your situation is. And we all have control over our own mindsets. Like that's like a critical part of it. I agree with that. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Joey? Now that Brian and I have grandstand a little bit. (laughs) Um, I, I, it just reminds me of the quote, when the mind is still, the soul speaks. Mm -hmm. I think it's a Robin Sharma quote. Hmm. And it just reminds me that like, whenever we feel like we don't have time to be present is when we need to unplug and be present most. So like whenever I feel like the world is coming down around me, I'm putting out so many fires. I have emails and I have this and I have that. And like my, you know, my child needs my attention. My wife, I got to do all these things um, is when I'm like, okay, I need to take a step back and prioritize my mindset right now. And so that's when I meditate or I'll do yoga or I'll just like, before we recorded this episode, I'll go out back and do like a quick 20 minute workout just to check myself and make sure that my energy is where it needs to be. So for me personally, that's been the biggest hack is realizing that, and and also I'll mention, um, I went to a personal development retreat once. And one of the things that the challenge was to track your time for the next week. Mm. And it was Mm. amazing when I actually committed to that and did it. When I was telling myself that I didn't have time to do all of the things that I needed to get done, I realized, well, wait a second. I spent 40 minutes on Facebook Sure. And so what could I have done if I applied that 40 minutes to something else, a more meaningful and productive activity? So perhaps that's something that, you know, you could do as a simple thing at home. Or if you're listening to this is like track your time for the next week and take a look at where you're spending your time and see if maybe there's some allocation shifts that you can make to make yourself more productive. I think that's a, a good point. And you you touched on something you were talking about, like how you feel and how you should pay attention to that. I was going to go to mm-hmm. your first clip next, but because he mentioned that, I'm going to go to my second clip because I think that's perfect. I kind of draw on that. And uh, yeah, Lachlan's already seen it, but. And sometimes it's not even money. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can give time. Yeah. And be a listener, you know, listen to people's stories and just show up. Just show up. That's a lot of it. Yep. Just show up and be uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Sometimes that tells you you're in the right place, right? Mm-hmm. When you feel uncomfortable, you know that it matters. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's what those feelings of sometimes anxiety or you know like nervousness and things like that. It's a sign from inside that is telling you this is you need to pay attention right now. I know you were nervous to pick your own clip <laughs> as one of your two for this showcase, but it's it's an excellent point. Yeah. And I mean, she showed it to me, you know, she, Savannah was saying, you know, when you feel like you need to go and seek, um, experiences that are uncomfortable because that's where the impact is, you know, and that's what was making me think about it. What you were just commenting on is when you feel that nervousness, pay attention, think about it in a different way, maybe to see, you know, why the inside part of you is telling you like, this is something is happening right now. Figure out what that is, you know, if you can't. Yeah, no, I think that's super important and, and well said. Um, it is, there's a, there's a lot of value in getting uncomfortable. And two, it's like, I think some of it, it doesn't always just come from you realizing something's important. Sometimes for some people, it's like, we all hold a lot of cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. within ourselves. We're like, so true. yeah, like we, you know, we might really feel that like, killing animals is wrong or whatever, but we don't eat vegan and we do our best not to think about that. That's just the first example that came to mind. But there's so many instances, right, of like 
you don't want to confront things that or, or like examples in your reality that conflict with beliefs you hold, stuff like that. So sometimes you're uncomfortable because two things that, that like disagree within you are pushing against each other. And it's like it's easiest just to not think about questions like that sometimes, but it's really important to. And it does make you uncomfortable and it takes work. But so, yeah, I think realizing it's important and leaning into those feelings is valuable. I don't know. That's real broad, and I wasn't saying anything really particularly specific <laughs> there, but just thinking out loud. Yeah, and I think just even if it's broad and, you know, not super specific, like remembering things that are, you know, there's a reason why some things are stereotypical because it's, it's true, you know what I mean? Like some things, it's like, there's a reason we've been saying the same thing for right, a thousand years. Right, the cliches years. exist they, for a reason, yeah. yeah. There's a reason there's a cliche. Um so who's who wants to do? Yeah, the next cool to say. I don't know. I think I think Joey's are next. I think they're just in alphabetical order, and I am cool to to throw Joey's up too. All right. Joey don't have any set number one. Joey clip number one. A lot of times, what we're trying to help people see is that you can't work in the business. Sorry, you can't work on the business if you're in the business. So right off the bat, it's you know one of the things I wanted you to think about, listener, is. Well, to the extent that you are a gear, like a necessary gear in the machine, a cog in the machine that makes the machine run, uh, that is, that's stopping you from scaling because you're doing the activity. You're actually doing the delivery or doing the sales. You're doing the marketing. You're doing, 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 you're running the interviews or like you're opening up the shop. You know, we work with some franchise owners in the food space. And, you know, a lot of times these franchisees as successful as they are, they're getting pulled out in and like making the food, you know, behind the counter. And they're like, well, why would I pay someone $15 an hour to make the food when I'm already here? Like, well, so you could actually strategize ways to grow the business. Yeah. This is your selection, Joey. Why did this speak to you? I wonder. I love this so much. So Biggs, Andrew Biggs was my life coach. Um, so when I first started investing in personal development in 2013, when I was right out of school, Andrew was my life coach. And we talked in that personal development group about a level one business, a level two business, and a level three business. A level one business is a solopreneurship. It's just you operating in the basement of a Chinese restaurant, trying to figure it out, or in our case, out of a garage. Then there's level two. Level two is you're working in the business and you're doing sales, you're doing marketing, you're creating you know, relationships, you're networking, you're trying to also simultaneously build the brand. Then you get to the point in level two where you can sort of pull back a little bit and start to bring on individuals who can sort of bring synergistic and supplemental qualities and characteristics to areas where you may not be as strong. Then level three is really where you step into your superpower. Level three is kind of where we are right now at Utopia. It's like, I get to do the things that I'm best at. And then we finally have the resources financially to bring on people in areas where like we have a need because our clients, you know, like they, there's still marketing to be done. There's still storytelling to be done. The clients need to be taken care of. The product has to be delivered. The sales have to be done. And it's like, as you scale, those components become more intricate, more complicated. And you're finally to a point where you could bring on the talented individuals who are better at those areas than the founder or the owner or the entrepreneur that started the company or had the vision, right? And so 
I, I think we are now in the point where we're going from a level two to a level three. I was going to say, I'm surprised you said we were a three, because I know a big part of what we're trying to do is be able to free you up so you can do more work on the business. I don't yeah. know if we're there literally quite literally talking about it yesterday. Yeah, I'm literally still yesterday. in the business. <laughs> yeah. But I, I enjoy that to some degree because like I like what we do and I get to be a part of the, you know, we talk about like the gratification at the end of the day where like our clients come to us, whether we're telling a story for their brand in a video story or we're producing an event for them, they're laughing, they're crying. I got a message from someone yesterday who's like, I want to work with you guys. I love your spirit and I love your heart. And that is meaningful. And so there is some part of me selfishly that's like, I don't ever want to lose that. Like, yeah. Well, and I know literally yesterday we were telling you like, you know, you want to work on the business more than in the business, but you but, know, uh, if you're the best person to do an aspect of the business, there's no reason to replace yourself in that situation. You, if you find somebody who can do it better than you can, then there's all the reason to do it. And I'm reminded mm -hmm. of my favorite, um, YouTube channel and podcaster and, you know, uh, YouTube personality, Marquez Brownlee, shout out to MKBHD, <laughs> my favorite channel. Um, but he, explicitly talks about this as well. You know, he used to do it all on his own. He started when he was a kid and he just like had a camera and did product reviews and things like that. And now he's got this giant company and this giant team. And he talks about, and he's still the host, you know, he still edits videos, not totally by himself. Like he used to, he used to do every aspect of it all on his own. Um, but he talks about how he's hired people that are better at him than at editing and better sure. at him at audio and, you know, yeah. all the different things that he's gotten involved in. He's created a team around himself and he uses a, an octopus analogy that I won't mess up by trying to regurgitate it incorrectly, but check out MKBHD if you haven't already. He's one of the most popular YouTubers yeah, around. Yeah, if you have not already, yeah, being yeah. the key part of that phrase. Yeah, yeah cool. I yeah. thought you were going to say Hormozy. <laughs> Who's Hormozy? I love him I too. I love him. Oh, okay. I, I love Hormozy. He's, he's similar. He gives uh, business advice. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just keep shouting out our favorite YouTubers for yeah, the next for sure. yeah, why minutes, not? actually. <laughs> throw Hal. Throw Hal in there, too. For yeah. Sure. For yeah. Like philosophical advice, life advice. All right. Do we want to go to Joey number two yes. or Lachlan number yeah, one? No. Joey number two. I like your opinion. By the way, us. thanks, Biggs. I love you, man. By the way, your AI bot is trying to enter the... Uh, oh, kick it out. Should I let it in? No, no, you can kick it out. What is this? Let's talk about that. Like, what does your AI bot do for you? So it goes to all my meetings. It takes notes. It creates kind of summaries and timestamps of the meeting itself. And for me, it is really nice because I have ADHD. And so when I'm in a meeting with someone, I am like listening super intently. I am in it. And I believe so badly in that moment that I'm going to remember everything that we talked about. And then I get to the end of the day and I'm like, wait, what were the things what? I was supposed to do? And so this wonderful AI bot now takes care of that for me. And so I can go back into meeting notes and, um, you know, find what the next steps were, what the action items were, and it sends the notes to the guest of my call as well. Was she literally using Fathom? Is that what we switched to now because of this clip? She was using Otter. Right. And oh. we, we, we tried Otter. We liked Otter. We just liked Fathom better because it at the time otter wasn't doing the video recording mm -hmm. which they are now ah uh, sure so why did you select that clip that gave me remember a moment ago we talked about time management yeah we were spending so much time before like processing and synthesizing and going back and like rewatching zoom calls from our meeting to pull out action items because 
as good of intentions as we had going into those conversations that we're going to remember everything, like Mallory said, we just don't. At the end of the day, you're you're in this digital deluge uh, of like bouncing from call to call to call, and you just can't remember those action steps, the next steps. And this is such a life hack and productivity hack. It's it's freed up so many hours for me personally, and I'm sure now for all of us because we all use it company wide. Yeah, and obviously. Uh AI has been talked to death. It's the buzzword <laughs> of the day, of the era. Um, but like what she's speaking to is broader than just note-taking, right? Like yeah. there are about like a trillion tools out there for you to use and implement in basically any avenue, right? There's stuff that Brian and I might hope to use in the near future in video editing. Yeah. And there's stuff for obviously taking better meeting notes. And it's like, oh man, knowing what tools are going to be available to you especially in this day and age where there are new ones all the time is such a big part of just doing the work. It's like some poor Neil makes so much more work for himself than he has to just because he like, it's, it's tough for him to embrace the new tools, you know? And it's like, that can save you a lot of time. Yeah. We've had some, <laughs> I remember using an AI tool to help Neil with, um, uh, something he was working on. He was like, how'd you do that so fast? I was like, I didn't AI did it. <laughs> That's right. He's like, okay, I, I, I get it now. You know, who is Neil? Yeah, love you, Neil. Neil is, is Joey's <laughs> Shout dad. out to Neil. <laughs> Shout out to Neil. We love yeah. you, Neil. <laughs> Shout out to Neil. Neil Goon, one of the founders of the company. But if you were watching, you wouldn't know who Neil is. That's right. Yeah. But Neil, we'll put a... There he we're is. We're going to put a picture of Neil yeah, up? Yeah, all right. We'll blow put a picture up. of Neil up. <laughs> blow it up on the screen. <laughs> In case you want to see Neil. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Right on. Uh, Joey clip number... No, oh, no zero. Lachlan one. one. That's right. 4,000 weeks is the average amount of a human lifespan and like when put that way you're like oh my god four thousand weeks is not that long and it really starts to clarify like what kind of bullshit am i doing with four thousand like if i only have four thousand weeks how am i not squeezing every bit of life on this planet like four thousand weeks is not a long time really to think about it and so I think it really clarifies like how am I like spending time with people I want to spend it with? How am I living my life the way I want to live it? How am I, you know, working with the people I want to work with? And how am I, to your point, spreading joy in this world and spreading connection in this world? Like, and by the way, I don't want to spend my 4,000 a week like looking on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very clear why I chose this one just because it's like, it's why I think, I think that it's very important to try and keep the perspective that our time here is limited. It's like, it can sound kind of morose at times, right? Kind of morbid. Um, but to me, keeping in mind the fact that like everything is temporary is super helpful just to just get myself to really properly appreciate the stuff that I have. The moments that I get to spend with you and you doing this podcast, the moments that I get to spend with Hannah at home or whatever. It's like that stuff is so valuable because in some way, at least it is temporary. And I thought Rhea hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I, I love examples like this because to me, there's so often that I've had an epiphany because of perspective, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And like, I've, until I heard Rhea say it, you know, I don't think about 4,000 weeks. That's it. That's all you got. You know, I've, I've heard, um, 80,000 hours is like your work life. I think mm -hmm. like that's how many hours on average people work, um, throughout their lifetime. And, but all of that, when you see it as a whole, rather than just like living through it in day to day and things like that, when you get that perspective, perspective shift yes. like oh my gosh yeah the you know the hourglass is yeah. a real thing that's running out and eventually will be empty you've got to think about 
every moment is precious, you know, and um, if you don't look at it that way, it might slip right by you, you know? Yeah. Marianne Dersh shared a quote with me when she was a guest on the podcast. And uh, her quote was something along the lines of, like, people feel judged for feeling joy. Mm. And that is not the way it should be. And so that really was the perspective check for me. And it kind of reinforces the importance of what Rhea is sharing here is like, you should not feel ashamed to be happy in your life. Like the other day, Stephanie, our lovely producer, my wife, we were dancing (laughs) in our kitchen and we just started crying. Like you just, those little moments in life that we have that we take for granted because we're like, we're going to have so many more of these moments. Why do I need to appreciate this one? Cause I'm going to have a hundred more of them. Like that has changed for me, especially after losing my mom at 50 years old. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm more than halfway to 50, you know, 34. And I'm like, damn, I'm doing everything that I possibly can to love my life, to love those moments, to love the work that I'm doing, because I don't want to wake up a day, what like any day of my life and be like, why, you know, like, and Andy way talked about this as well. Um, so many people move after 50 from regrets of action, meaning mm-hmm. like I'm, you know, regrets of action. I said I'm something s- weird. I messed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about the True. thing I did. Yeah. yeah like I, I'm thinking about what I said to this friend yeah. to regrets of inaction. I wish I would have called that person right. and yeah. made that plan. I wish I would have skydived. I wish I would have hiked Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Uh, whatever it is, or meditated with a Buddhist monk in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> whatever that thing is. So it's like regrets of inaction. And so that quote is so like profoundly like it it just it shakes me and gives me shivers and chills to my core because it's it's so true. I mean, we talked about cliches earlier, but there there are so many instances where people talk about on their deathbed, they look back, you know, and they they regret what they didn't do, yeah. like, just like you were saying, you know, and it's not, man, I wish I spent more time on Facebook or, man, I wish I had, you know, worked more overtime hours or whatever it is. It's It's a regret of inaction, just like you were saying, when you get to that point where it's too late. Yeah, man, that's so profoundly important. We could talk it like it's the thing that everybody knows because everyone's heard it said to them at least once or twice. But you have to remind yourself of all the time. Yeah, that's uh, all there is to it. I, I have a book that I read. You know, I try to read daily, and I, I've been slacking on it lately. But I, I will tell my wife like she's like, yeah, that that makes total sense. I'm like, yeah, it does make total sense, and it is. It's not like it's pretty intuitive, but a reminder is still yeah. good. Oftentimes, even if it's something you're like, yeah, I should. I should know this already, but an example, a reminder, something that brings it to the forefront yeah, is valuable. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect example of that. What the heck? We love you, Let's Rhea. watch our last clip. Yeah, Rhea was an incredible podcast, and your episode with her on her podcast, too, was really cool. Yeah. Shout out to her podcast. Last clip. I don't remember. Oh, Mallory. Shows. Yeah, it shows Mallory as well. And you were saying yeah. she was one of the best conversations, and yeah, clearly, we both pulled some, some great clips from hers. Here we go. 
you know, for me, and I talk about alignment a lot, it's like one degree shifts. Like you don't need to listen to this podcast and turn it off and be like, I'm going to be a totally different person. Like 180, here I go. You know, it's like, what's a one degree shift you can make in your life that, that points you a little bit closer to your North star. Maybe it's not working, not having your laptop open after five or six, a few days. So you can have really focused family time. Like what's a one degree shift. And then I think we go through those little shifts. We survive them, we notice how they make us feel and they inspire us to take the next shift and the next shift and the next shift. And one degree shifts over a period of time leads to a 180 degree shift. It leads to a complete reorientation. Yeah. This is another one where I just thought she like hit the nail on the head, right? It's not something that's necessarily never been said before, uh, just like Rhea's point, but she articulated it very well. And I have personally found that like Will being willing to make smaller changes instead of necessarily going all the way is what makes the change stick. Like if you try to radically change your life overnight, almost always, it's like it's New Year's resolutions, right? It's like you, January rolls around and you're like, I'm going to go to the gym four days a week. You buy your membership, you do it. And then that's like totally unsustainable because it's such a radical change. Yeah. But if you start small and build your way there, that's how the changes stick. That's how you like make long lasting habits. So yeah. I thought she just did a great job articulating that. Yeah. I, I, uh, Travis Elliott, I don't. Are you guys familiar with him? He's a yoga. He has like he's like this yoga guru. He's got a YouTube channel. I'm not familiar with um, him. No. He he always says that um, you know pe- the reason why people quit yoga, and it's like something that I've gotten into recently, and I'm not great at it, and so sometimes it's frustrating because I'm like stumbling all over the place and falling all over my mat, and he's like, it's not about being a per- perfect. Life is about practice, and I think that's. You know, again, it's like it's not this like new novel concept. It's like, but just hearing that in the moment when you need to hear it, that yeah. this is just about practice. And if we practice, we get better gradually over time. A hundred percent. I I I find myself telling that to my son all the time. You know, mm-hmm. he's uh, soon to be eight, seven years old, and you just say to him like, "You're not going to be good at anything when you start, <laughs> and that's okay. It's normal, and it's good for you too. Like yeah. you want to." Being a beginner, you should be exciting, you know, rather than frustrating. And I under I completely understand why it is frustrating, because you do have competency at other things, and you want to get to that level super fast. But you can only get to that level by failing and going through the tough parts and things like that. And that's exactly what, to me, you're describing is you know, yoga is no different than anything else. Is you start as a beginner and over time you get better. And sometimes some people get better faster than others, but they all have to go through that beginning stage to get to the stage they want to get to. And actually specifically on that note of getting better at something, like if I've, I've heard people say that like, you know, maybe, maybe they want to learn archer or whatever. And they're like, man, it would be cool, but it's going to take me three years to like get good. Like they're looking at the, the time that it would take to spend to get to the level they know they want to get to. And I heard somebody say once in response to that, well, yeah, it'll take three years, but the time will pass anyway. Right. And to me, that was like so <laughs> profound. It's like, yeah, those three years, in three years, you will either have put in the practice to get good and you'll be that person who's good at archery or the time will have passed anyway and you won't. You can't leapfrog to the spot you want to yeah. get to. You you do have to put in that time and work. And the sooner you start, the yeah. sooner yeah, you right. get to where you want to get to. And if it's that important to you, you got to put in that time. Gary V had a, I watched a, a short video from him last night and he was on stage and someone in the audience um, asked about, you know, something, some struggle that they were having about like not starting a business and like encouraged me to start it. And he goes, you just need to be the best at the thing that you're good at. 
He's like, so many of us don't want to go to the NBA because we're not going to be LeBron James. But like, if we have a passion for that, he's like, look at me. Like if I go to the NBA right now, I'm not going to be the Kobe LeBron James in the league. But like, if I'm committed to being the best at it, because it's a skill set or a characteristic or a trait or a natural ability that I have, maybe I'll be number eight, nine, you know, 10, 50, whatever it is. But like, I'm going to do my personal best and achieve my personal best. And that comparison is the thief of joy. When we start to look at like, well, I'm not as good as that person. There's always going to be someone who's better than you or more rich than you or has a bigger boat or a bigger house or a nicer car or whatever that is. But like find your, find your thing, find your superpower and just be the best at achieving mastery and excellence in that superpower that you can possibly be. And I think just improving, you know what I mean? Even if you're not in your mind, the best to someone else who is more of a novice at whatever you're doing, they think you're, (laughs) you know, super high. So it's, again, it's all about perspective, you know? And I think the most, the the thing about growth and, and getting better is putting in the work, deciding that you're committed to something and doing the things that give you joy. And, you know, if you're getting better at it while you're doing it, all the more reason. Very cool. I know we're this pushing up on episode. that. Yeah, I was say, yeah. I know we're bumping up to the time past, I think, that we uh, said we wanted to do. But <laughs> it's, you know, the conversation was really good. And all of those moments from this first season were as well. Like, all of this was just us kind of re-unpacking the guests we had. We had some incredible guests this last season. So if you're listening to this, for some reason, and haven't heard any of the other episodes uh, you should check out some of the guests that we just showcased today because yeah, they sure. all had some really, really cool things to say. Uh, and hey guys, what can everybody look forward to in season two? And I was going to say, yeah. and look forward to season two. Yeah. Hopefully, I would like to maybe uh, dress up the set a little bit more. That's a dream of mine. We're hoping to focus our uh, guest selection a little bit more, I know. Um, and certainly, if you guys have any ideas, we are looking for feedback. We are looking for what you thought could have been done differently this season or what you wanted to see but didn't get a chance to. Or, hey, if you're feeling super nice, just the stuff you loved and wish we would keep doing. Just give us some praise and some compliments. That works too. For sure. And if you wouldn't mind, take five seconds because like this for us, this is not a a money thing. Like, you know, there's no sponsorships. We're doing this from the, (laughs) like from our own love and, and like the joy that we get from recording these episodes. But like it won't get into the hands of other people if you don't like comment, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, share this with your uncle, your cousin, your best friends, neighbors, uncles, best friends, little baby sister's friend. Dog, right. Yeah, dog. (laughs) Yeah, definitely share it far and wide, you know, with anybody who think this might be good for, even if it's not good for them, share it anyway. Right, yeah. (laughs) They're going to love it. (laughs) Um, But we would love to hear from you so you can, you know, drop a comment down below, whether this is you're watching on YouTube or um, Spotify. Spotify, yeah. You know, anywhere. We would love to get feedback. And I think we could also... uh, Put it out there. If you want to send us an email, go ahead. Yeah. You know, you can find us at info at utopiaexperience.com. Uh, if you have questions about what we do outside of the podcast, you can let us know there as well. But yeah, Check we're super excited yeah. for um, season two, which we've already kind of started preparing for. Um, started filming some for, yeah, not just preparing. Right. We have yeah. a few guests already, yeah. Some, some of the best event organizers my goal is to bring on some of the best event organizers in this country yeah people that are producing the most impactful events and telling the most impactful video stories in the country i love that look forward to that 
Indeed. We've got tons to learn and hopefully you guys are excited to come along on that journey with us and be impacted. By it's going to be so cute. Be impacted by the roadmap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Thanks for watching. <laughs> See ya. Hey, if this episode was valuable to you, then uh, share it with someone that you love, someone that you know that could benefit from it. Also, be sure to subscribe and depending on how you're listening, go ahead and leave a comment or review. This will help ensure that we are connecting with other nonprofit leaders so that we can get this critical information out to them. And if your company is in the early or even late stages of putting on an event, go to our website, utopiaexperience.com and click the book us tab and schedule a free discovery call to see if our services would be a right fit for your event. And even if they're not, that's okay. I promise you our expertise can steer you in the right direction so you'll get value either way. Thanks for listening to the Impact Roadmap and we'll see you next time.